Jordan Travis, five touchdowns, 450 yards. He's going to win the Heisman this year. Florida State, 52. Notre Dame, zero. Thomas, Daniel- Thomas, 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 Thomas. Well, Thomas. what happened? What happened? Thomas, not again. Oh, right. okay. 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 Wait. So, they're not? No. No. Not, not yet. <sighs> Come down. Damn it. Welcome back, senores y senoras, to the We Can Do Better podcast. I don't know what season this is. We're now seniors at Florida State. We're bringing this podcast back because there is a big game tonight in Tallahassee, Daniel. Florida State versus Notre Dame under the lights at Doe Campbell Stadium. Things are coming full circle. Our freshman year here, we had a huge game to start off the year against Virginia Tech. All the hype in the world, a new head coach. It was a blackout in every sense at Doe Campbell Stadium. And Florida State under Willie Taggart, they just didn't get it done. They didn't even come close to getting it done. They lost 24-3. to We were hyped for that game. We were very hyped. I had high expectations. Since then, I've known not to have high expectations when it comes to Florida State football. And how about starting off the season against a team that was in the college football playoff? You know, a team that wasn't actually demolished by Alabama, but put up a decent fight in the college football semifinal. But you still have that sliver of hope. And I think that sliver of hope is the greatest thing about college football and sports as a whole. Right, Daniel? You know, Thomas, you touched on a lot of good points there. You know, uh, you mentioned that it being a blackout for our first game. I wish that I did, in fact, blackout for that game because I have never felt uh, my heart be ripped out of my chest and demolished uh, in a sporting event, nonetheless, uh, to that extent. You know, it kind of makes me think, you know, throughout all these years, we have low expectations and and I can't, you know, uh, just, I I can't seem to forget that my sister, uh, who is a theater major here, who went to like two uh, football games, got a national championship and we had to go through Willie Taggart. So yeah, you know, it's, 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 this kind of thought process, do we get hyped up? It's Notre Dame. It's Sunday night, prime time. Because you know that FSU is too dope to put on a Saturday. So they have to put us on a Sunday. And you know what? The whole world is watching. The whole world is watching. So it's, it, do, you, do you get hyped up? Do you just go in and be like, I'm here for the funsies, right? I'm here for a good time. But no, I, I, I'm hoping we can actually show some, some good sport in, in this coming Sunday. I'm certainly hoping for it. As you know, I've been looking forward to this game for months. I've had this, you know, September 5th matchup circled on on the calendar. I thought to myself, this is going to be the first sporting event I go to that's going to be full capacity, you know, back to normal, essentially, as COVID cases rise, of course, across the country. Uh, You know, everybody (laughs) fails to include that part of the conversation. Um, But yeah, I think Florida State is at an interesting point during the coach Mike Norvell era, you know, a lot of people regard his 2020 season, which was obviously his first, uh, as year zero. Because as you know, the team was implementing plays in the middle of the season. They didn't get, you know, a full spring camp. They really had to adjust on the fly during the summer and had to deal with COVID. They ended up only playing, you know, nine games last year, only winning three of them. 
So this is Mike Norvell's first full offseason as an FSU head coach. Obviously, the main headline being there's a new quarterback in town in Mackenzie Milton. And I think that's a good place to start for this game. The quarterback room for Florida State was a mess last year. You know, James Blackman started games. Jordan Travis, Tate Rodemaker, Chubba Purdy, they all started games for the Seminoles. This year, it seems like it's a two-headed race. It's Mackenzie Milton and it's Jordan Travis. I would argue Travis was the Seminoles' most electric player last year. And then, of course, Milton's coming off of a terrible injury that he sustained in 2018. He's now finally getting back on the field as, what, a 10th-year senior? Um, So Florida State has those two options. I want to get your take as to what they should do tonight, who they should start with, who do you think gives them the better chance to win? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. You know, first let's take a look at Notre Dame, right? You have to understand who you're playing against. Uh, and it, I think in our case, even though this is a home game, we kind of have to play to the style of Notre Dame because they are they're a top ten ranked team. I believe they're the ninth best uh, in the AP poll. So we kind of have to, being an unranked team, see what they're bringing to the table. And Notre Dame is known for their front seven. You know, just being completely dominant on the line. They have linebackers that'll play a hybrid role and really bring it to you. Having Marcus Freeman, the new defensive coordinator, come in uh, from Cincinnati, you know, he's going to bring a lot to the table. He ran about 49% of man coverage. So he's going to bring a lot of blitzing. He's going to bring that front seven, a lot of pressure. And I think when you're starting Jordan Travis, you're going to have to do a lot of, like, option plays, you know, a lot of reads. You're going to be, since there's going to be men-on-man coverage, push it to the outside, get to the edge. You know, don't run to the middle because you're just going to get dogpiled, right? And I think when you have a lot of great running backs, like, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Tofili, Lawrence Tofili. And, you know, you also have Jayshon Corbin being there, elusive backs. We'll see how it goes. We have speed on our hand, but what do you think? I think that Florida State needs to establish the running game. It seems like they're going to be a run-first team this year just because they don't have those type of weapons yet in the wide receiving core. To beat Notre Dame, not only do you need to be faster than them, you need to be physical, and you know you need to not make a lot of mistakes. I think you know I think the majority of football games are won in the trenches, and that's an interesting storyline for this game because obviously Notre Dame, what are they known for most recently? What position group? Their offensive line. So they lose four or five starters from last year, um, an offensive line that was far and away the best in the country outside of Alabama's. They bring in Kane Madden, who is the best transfer at the offensive line position in all of college football. They bring in one of the best left tackle recruits in the country. So yes, they have some new faces, but they have new faces that either have a lot of potential or who have done it at a smaller level. Florida State is, you know, essentially transfer you at this point. They have, you know, Keir Thomas. They have Jermaine Johnson. They have a few guys in their front seven who expect to play huge roles tonight in Doe Campbell Stadium. Florida State's going to be relying on them. I think that they look to exploit the guys that don't have a lot of experience who are adjusting to the college game or adjusting to playing at an atmosphere like this game because a lot of them haven't done so, if we're being frankly honest. And I think, honestly, like, I don't think it's an overrated aspect. I think Florida State is going to benefit a lot off of the crowd. Yeah. Look at Virginia Tech. If anybody, you know, were to tell you, okay, what's the better football team, Virginia Tech or North Carolina? Nine out of ten people would say North Carolina. They were a top ten team entering this season. Did you look at what Blacksburg, Virginia looked like on Friday night? It was an absolute madhouse. 
I expect I expect Tallahassee to be like that tonight, and I certainly think that'll play a factor. Now, does that mean Florida State's going to win? Does it mean that it tilts the game in their favor? Maybe. I think that it certainly could, you know, it could lead to a missed field goal. It could lead to Notre Dame, you know, having false starts on offense that kill drives. It's not going to determine who the overall better team is. Because if, if Florida State, you know, turns out the performance that we've become all accustomed to seeing over the course of the last four years, which is a ton of penalties, a ton of mistakes, a ton of turnovers, then they don't stand a chance. But if they're smart with the football, if they don't try to do too much, and if they aren't overwhelmed, they could somehow create a pass rush and give Jordan Travis enough time to do what he needs to do on offense, I think they could win. Yeah, especially when you talk about uh, Blake Fisher, who is that starting left tackle. Um, you know, he's he's coming in, and I think that's where FSU is going to try and attack You know, the offensive line. What Notre Dame is going to try and do is they're going to try and just run it up the middle. They're going to try and use that run game and just completely obliterate us. And I'm not worried about our secondary. You know, when you talk about the quarterback situation for Notre Dame, uh, they do bring in this Wisconsin transfer. His name is Jake Cohn. He's a big body, different from Ian Book. Ian Book is gone. They now have a transfer, Jake Cohn. He is more of a dump, you know, quick play kind of guy. He's a bigger person, so he's not a dual threat quarterback. And honestly, when it comes to our secondary, Jarvis Brownlee Jr. and Travis J. I, I don't think get enough love. I think they're under the radar guys. You know, you don't hear their names a lot, but I think they're both solid cornerbacks. That one-two punch, I'm not worried about it. You know, Notre Dame is having two wide receivers come back. One of them is being a veteran coming off of an injury. But what will he do with Jake Cohn? I'm not sure. I don't know how much time they've had together. I'm not, I wouldn't be uber confident in the vertical threat game with Notre Dame. I wouldn't be surprised if it's stink and dunk. I think that this man's a game manager. Yeah. And as you were saying, I agree. I think Florida State has an underrated secondary. A thing that you have to consider is, you know, the points that go on the board don't necessarily give the full picture of how good a secondary is. Because at the end of the day, if your defensive line is getting no pressure on the quarterback and that quarterback has all the time in the world to throw the ball, you know, your secondary can only do so much. And we saw a lot of that last season when Florida State had arguably a top 10 cornerback in the country in Asante Samuel. Here they were giving up 40 points a game. So, you know, individual players can only do too much. It's about how better does a unit get as a whole. Yeah, talking about a unit as a whole, you know, we, we talked about the secondary. We can talk about, you know, the guys in the middle as well. You know, Jermaine Johnson in the second, he's coming back and he's healthy. You have Lovett on the D-line. And let's not forget that Amari Gaynor is coming back too. You know, one of our most versatile backs, I think, in Amari Gaynor. I'm a big fan, always have been, always will be. You know, everybody's talking about this O-line. For Notre Dame. I think people are underrating FSU's defense. You know, Odell Higgins is still the defensive line coach. This man still knows how to train top tier athletes at the defensive line. You know, last year we really didn't have a healthy FSU defense, right? Like Mike Norvell was still trying to figure out the, all the schemes that were going into it. He didn't have a full recruiting season. And they still somehow defeated a top five team. Exactly. So now take a full offseason, take some preparation. I'm not saying it be expected to be amazed but I'm saying I think we should expect better than last year I think we should expect more from our D-line because I think at times we were a bit disappointed I, I know I will be honest sometimes we seem slow sometimes we didn't seem put together I expect a better D-line I expect better guys in the middle to help our secondary out because it seemed like we were just getting destroyed either way and that goes back to what we started talking about they got more reps this offseason they're going to be better trained better coached in a better position to succeed so that in itself should give you more hope 
at the end of the day, the thing I'm most interested in seeing is who the starting quarterback is going to be. We talked about this before the podcast, and we talked about it a little bit earlier. I think the best thing for this program would be for Jordan Travis to come out at 8.44 tonight, 8.44 p.m., and be the starting quarterback. Because that would show that he progressed from where he was last year to being definitively the best player you know, to lead this offense not only this year, but next year and prove that, you know, he's more than just a spark plug on offense, somebody who could throw the ball downfield, make correct reads, you know, stand in the pocket at times and make the right play. So at the end of the day, expectations are low for me because I've been burned too many times when it comes to this program. So the season as a whole, it's very difficult. But if you're a Seminoles fan, you got to take it essentially one season at a time. If we're looking at the bigger picture, because this game in itself is not only about this season, it's about setting the tone for the players that you're trying to get in future seasons and where you want to be as a program in the future. So if Florida State ends up losing by 10 points tonight, obviously I'll be upset. Anytime your team loses, you're going to be upset. But if they show that they're competitive against a team as talented and well-run as Notre Dame, I'd be happy. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'd be happy too. And I'm, I'm going to throw this out there, something that we haven't talked about yet, something that I think makes a difference at times. You know, we talk about things can come down to a field goal or to, you know, how far are they on the field? And something that we have been impressed by over the years is Florida State special teams. You know, let's talk about something that Mike Norvell knows how to do. He, that man knows how to coach a special teams. The amount of blocked field goals, blocked punts, you know, that this FSU special teams has had has been very impressive. Starting from the Georgia Tech game last year, you know, we were... We were blown away. We were like, how, how are they doing this? Yeah. Something I will say they do need to improve, though, is their returning game. They have had a lot of returners that have been injured. So coming back, I, I do hope for better. And I'm happy that you mentioned that. They practice special teams so much. Yeah. You know, just hearing people who go to practice and have been watching them, because shout out to Florida State football. They have arguably the best media availability out of any Power 5 uh, team in the country. So shout out to that. They work on special teams so much. I'm, I'm going to predict this. You will see a Florida State kickoff return for a touchdown tonight in Doe Campbell Stadium. That's a very bold prediction because it's kind of like a random thing to predict. But I'm going to say it happens. At the end of the day, I'm just grateful. You know, college football was so weird last year. Sports was so weird. I'm just happy to be able to experience this type of college football atmosphere again because it's what I love so much about the sport. It's not replicated anywhere else in America. Let's get to the predictions for tonight's game. And boy, let me just say, this is the most sports we've done on this podcast in a while. Long time. It kind of hurts almost. Because like, <laughs> as somebody who got into making podcasts because of the Dan Levitard show, because they just make fun of everything in sports, yeah. it feels weird that we're doing this super like sports series podcast. When, like, if we're being honest, like you and me, we don't talk about sports like that often. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't. So, so it's really funny that this is happening, but we are very excited for this game. You know set the stage what do you want to see tonight what is your expectation i want to see i want to see chess not checkers i think mike Morvell needs to outwit brian kelly i want to see the french defense the french defense wow how about opening up with that bishop takes d2 pawn to d7 checkmate that's what i want to see for mike Norvell out here right we, it, this is chess ladies and gentlemen mike Norvell has to come out playing chess so he's got to bring the pressure He's got to bring the pressure. Because you know what pressure makes? It makes diamonds. It makes diamonds. And that's what all of these FSU players are. I'm going to pull some PJ Flex shit right here. I went to the back, and I saw this Cole. 
We had it piled up. There's a lot of pressure. You know what came out of that coal? Diamonds. Diamonds. Let's row the boat. Be a diamond tonight, Florida State. I have Notre Dame winning 34 to 17. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what, Daniel? Uh, as I said, expectations are low. I don't want to jinx this. So I'm going to say Notre Dame 52, FSU 3. You know that kickoff return that I predicted? It's going to be called back due to penalties. Sorry, guys. Cam Akers is going to run acres around the Hokies defense. Oh, Lord. So how did we get here, Daniel? You know, it's been four months since we did our last episode. A lot has happened in that time. I think we should talk about it. You know, I was essentially traveling for the better part of the last three months. I think we both had fairly interesting internships. Um, how was your summer? It was okay. It was all right. I, uh, I had an internship with an ad agency in Boston. For those who uh, are interested in the advertising world, the agency world, I was interning as a project manager with an agency called Digitas. Their headquarters is in Boston, Massachusetts. I got there through the MAPE Foundation, the 4As Foundation, which gives people that are um, multicultural people you know, a chance to get into the advertising world. Uh, some people may not know, but uh, my mom is an immigrant from Israel, so you know, kind of, kind of had that uh, had that card to play. It, it was an interesting summer, interesting summer. Uh, you know, got to got to really learn a lot, right? Um, also, it was, it was all online. I know you had a different experience, uh, but I will say, I guess the perk of being online is, you know. Not everything is in office. Not everything is technically a nine to five. You can take a break here and there. But but tell me about your experience. It wasn't exactly what you planned. Well, yeah, you were just chilling in Tallahassee the whole summer. Um, yeah, must not been the most interesting in terms of like you know, if you ever come to Tallahassee in the middle of the summer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's literally nothing to do here. The entire city revolves around either the university or you know government. So if you're not involved in either, uh, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? myself you know i i thought i was going to be interning in something similar to you i thought i was going to be doing something tv related online i talked to a few tv stations one in palm beach one in the miami area i later found out that the entire industry as a whole was pretty backed up when it came to summer internships because there were a lot of internships last summer that were promised to kids that didn't get the opportunity and that kind of put me on the back burner and I was, you know, sitting here after about a month or two of trying to find an internship, thinking to myself, I don't know what I'm going to do this summer. And, you know, my parents sent me an email. Oh, you know, this is a new initiative in Sarasota linking companies to college students that are minorities in the area, you know, providing them opportunities in a variety of sectors. And so, you know, I applied to this internship program, not thinking much of it. I thought that I was going to, you know, end up doing what I what I said I was going to do. And when that didn't pan out, I was essentially left with a job offer from, you know, a community theater <laughs> in Sarasota. Yeah. You know me, you're not the most, you know, not, <laughs> not the most into theater. Not no. a theater guy. No. If you listen to this podcast, uh, you know, we haven't really discussed uh, Hamilton or Dear Evan Hansen or, you know, what are other musicals? I, I probably yeah. sound very ignorant at the moment. <laughs> The job itself was more specific than that. I was pretty much writing, you know, press releases, 
I was doing a lot of marketing for them because, you know, they had to promote a new season of shows. Mm -hmm. They, you know, were coming out with a new logo. You know, this, this entire, you know, moment in this theater's 92-year history. Wow, 92 where, years. Where it was just about change, Daniel. And I went there, and I, you know, I helped provide change. And I don't know. I, I think I kind of liked it. Really, kind of liked it. You know, I remember you telling me about about this experience, and uh, I was completely shook. I was shooketh because I couldn't picture you working <laughs> at a community theater. Yeah. Um, very funny because if anything, it, out of the two of us, I would be working at a community theater. Uh, I, I did end up doing theater for a long time in my life, and actually producing a community theater in high school with yeah. a bunch of high school students, which I thought was very funny. Um, <laughs> Interesting, for those who don't know, uh, must be pretty slow during the summer because that is the off-season for theater. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you were promoting a new season. Coming out with a new logo, that seems like a lot of, a lot of back work, you know, for the, uh, the, the company. Um, you know, I, I, I will say maybe I, you said it was a good experience. Maybe it didn't spike your interest as much as a TV production station would, by my guessing. And I kind of share that um, in terms of not as being as interested as you thought you'd be, you know, in my, uh, internship, I am an advertising major and I was like, Oh my gosh, you know what? I'm going to come into this, this summer internship and I'm going to, you know, fall in love with all of this. But, um, Digitas is their, their big client is bank of America. Mm-hmm. Um, people like, like to think like, Oh, banking is boring. Yeah. Banking is boring. <laughs> um, the amount of times that I'd have to look at like preferred rewards, like banners and and shit like that i was like oh my god this is this is not the most fun thing that i could be doing right now um so you're not going to be a digitas lifer i mean i don't i don't know we'll we'll see cuz we we were talking about it earlier we were like in 6 months we have to look for a job yeah. which, which is insane yeah. and at the end of we had these exit uh interviews and uh this one person was like well we know you're a senior but you know we'd love to have you back and I'm like, who am I, who am I going to turn a job offer down? You yeah. know? Like, that's, that's stupid. If you're out here being picky about your jobs. I'm meeting with this lady from a company called MRM, an yeah. agency in New Jersey. Yeah. In Princeton, New Jersey. Yeah. Am I going to live in Princeton, New Jersey? Probably not. Why not? The Prince of Princeton. Wow. Wow. The Prince of Princeton. You know, my grandfather, he calls me the Prince of Tallahassee. Does he? Really? Yeah. Yeah, he does. Maybe he'll be the Prince of Princeton. Who knows? Yeah. Anyways, whether I whether I live in Boston or uh, Princeton, New Jersey, who knows? But but it's it's insane. Uh, we were t- we were talking about you know having to get jobs in six months because we're seniors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's senior year, and he, it, it's it's also interesting too because we're coming out of this pandemic. And I remember uh, driving down to to campus one day mm-hmm. and seeing just an, the the most amount of students I have seen at Florida State University's campus. In my four years, we we talked about summers in Tallahassee because we were here last summer in Tallahassee, yeah. and last summer it was deader than dead. Yeah, we were we would literally walk through campus and we wouldn't see one person in thirty minutes, and then we come back now and you know it's as if nothing ever happened. It's literally the same campus as freshman and I guess you know some of sophomore year, and it just doesn't feel real. I don't know what it is. I mean, it's the pandemic. Like <laughs> it's yeah. the pandemic, yeah. Um, but everything just, it feels off, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, it, it totally feels off. It feels off because we haven't seen anybody walk on campus, and all of a sudden, Florida State University is admitting its largest freshman class in its history. You know, I, I literally, I don't, I don't know where they're putting these kids, Thomas. I don't know where the <laughs> f- they're putting these kids. Because they were supposed to take down Sally Hall. Yeah, they're not taking down Sally Hall anymore. I swear to God, I, I have never seen this many groups of kids just just packed. And you know because you work for a club down under, you literally put on events on campus, especially during syllabus week. So you you saw it, you know, front hand. I, I saw it kind of from another perspective considering, you know, it was my senior year syllabus week. I, I had a lot of spots that I had to hit around Tallahassee that I didn't get the chance to do last year. You know, we hit a lot of places, obviously, you know, like the Palace, you know, we hit uh, College Town, and then, of course, Port Balls. Port Balls, which has become, you know, kind of our bar. But yeah, I've definitely been able to see the hordes of people. You know, we were standing at Township, you know, for like 45 minutes, and, you know, obviously our good friend Todd, Todd Melgard, um, friend of the show, he was standing at the bar. 30 minutes and let me tell you this is in like the far corner of this massive bar in college town Mm -hmm. this far corner where there aren't as many people as there are pretty much on any part of this 100 foot long bar he stands at the bar card in hand 30 minutes bartender looks at him maybe three four times nothing we leave really yeah welcome back to tallahassee welcome back to tallahassee who knows how long we're gonna be in tallahassee I, let me tell you something. We're, we're about to have an FSU football game. Yeah. How, do you know the capacity of the stadium? Uh, it is 79,000. 79,000? Okay. Imagine packing 80,000 fucking people in Tallahassee, Florida into a stadium. I'd like to see the numbers after that. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, was in, I was in one of my history classes, and uh, this guy was like, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, guys, but uh, let's wait till after the football game. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I just got here. Yeah, no, one of my teachers literally said it would be a successful semester if we just finished it without going online. And it, and it's a weird dilemma that we face because, you know, half of our classes right now, you know, people are all wearing masks or it's a mix. Yeah. In this class, it's an 8 a.m. class. There's like eight people in this class because this man makes us write like 2,000 words per week. And so it started off as like 15 to 20 people and then... Half of the people drop. You know, given that this class has something to do with sports, I was obviously interested and I stayed in the class and I'm willing to write those 2,000 words. But, man, this man makes us wear a mask, which I'm totally fine with. But he doesn't wear a mask. Hmm. And so that's a weird thing because he's like, you know, guys, you know, you got to wear a mask during class. You got to get the vaccine. Me, though, I'm fine. I'm not going to wear a mask. I'll get tested and then in the middle of the first day of class, he does another weird thing where he's like, you know what, guys? Take off your mask for a second. I want to see what you look like. And I'm like, what? <laughs> What's the point of this? <laughs> and so, like, that in itself just is a sign of the times. It's just a weird-ass time. If you had asked me five years ago what my college experience would have been like, I would have been astounded to see what it has turned into just because of the circumstances that have been thrown at us at a level at which, you know, nothing surprises us at anymore like if if a fucking forest fire just ravaged through tallahassee in two weeks we'd be like oh that's right. another thing on our plate i yeah. guess we gotta i guess we gotta handle that i guess classes will be online we'll figure it out but at this rate it's literally there's no shock value in anything anymore yeah no th- there's nothing you know it what's what's crazy too about the professor um one of my professors as well you know uh, it's like a 56 per a 63 person class it's massive we're packed in this building like desks are back to back 
and you know he's saying you know you know the the college the college Florida State expects you to wear a mask. Nobody wears a mask. He doesn't wear a mask. I'm like, dude. I like the first day I was in there. I was probably one of the only like ten people, maybe ten people to wear a mask. And you're fine. And, and I'm fine. And I'm fine because, ladies and gentlemen, I got vaccinated back in March and April, right? And over the summer, I got the big C. Okay, I got the the big C, the big Kahuna, the big COVID nineteen. After I was vaccinated. Wow. And you know what? I don't know how the hell I got it because I was in Tallahassee, Florida, and nothing ever happens here. So maybe I just ran into somebody in Publix, or maybe I just got it when I was going into CVS. Yeah, you weren't you weren't hitting up the town. I know you weren't at recess or no. you know another club in Tallahassee at two a.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah, no. This man was fast asleep. Yeah, yeah. I was getting some 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 shut eye, as they call it. And you know what? I felt like absolute. <laughs> I felt terrible. I was like, wow. You know what? I know some people who like got COVID and like, oh, like I had no sense. No, no, no. I, I felt absolutely awful. And having a loss of taste and a loss of smell is really weird. I don't wish it on a lot of people. (laughs) A lot of (laughs) Some people though. Some people though. Uh, I I wish it on them. Yeah. Like just have mouthfeel for like two weeks. You know who you are. Yeah. You heard me. You heard me. But yeah, yeah, no, you know, there's going to be a ton of kids because I also, I know a lot of people who are RAs and they're like, yeah, I have kids in my dorms that are all getting COVID because mm-hmm. they literally live in a 10 by 10 foot room yeah. with each other and share yeah. And there's like five kids sharing a bathroom. Yeah. What? We would never do that. I mean, we would never record a podcast <laughs> in like a five by five foot room, you know, in your closet, in your apartment in Tallahassee, because that, that would just not make any sense. We would never do something like that. No. But on a serious note. I mean, you know, reinfections, I guess, or infections by people who've gotten the vaccine have become a thing. And man, why, why, why did you have to get, why did you have to get the big C? (laughs) Dude, I don't know. I don't know why I got the big C. I literally jokingly last year, I was like, bro, Daniels, because we were super careful before we got the vaccine about not getting COVID. We didn't get it. Um, a, a few of our friends did. Um, and I was like, you know, we're both going to get vaccinated and then Daniel is going to like somehow be the last person next year to get it. And then you called me, you called me when you got COVID literally like, I think I might've been the first person you called. Cause you told me you had been, that you were going to get tested. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I got it. And I was like, I, I was just like, I can't believe this is happening right now. This is just ridiculous. Yeah. You um, couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> if I was in like Miami, Florida, like hanging on my parents, you know, or something like that. Honestly, thank God I got it in Tallahassee. Yeah. Because if I got it in Miami and I gave it to my, oh my God, that would have been awful. Right. Right. Awful. So you know, it, it does. It did suck that I got it in the whole bit. But you were you were a soldier. You you, you rebounded in a couple days. Yeah. Yeah. I was a trooper. I like after a couple of days, I was I was better. It does suck though. Yeah. It does suck. So for like whoever is listening to this podcast. Be careful. Don't get vaccinated. And get vaccinated, please. I don't make a lot of call of action, call to actions. Yeah. But I'm telling you right now, if you haven't already, get vaccinated. Yeah. I mean, Johnson and Johnson's just the way to go. Is it? I, I'm I'm a big Sputnik guy. That's what I got. You know, I I, I don't know why I got uh, COVID. It's supposed to be the best one. That's what at least uh, the Russian scientists say. Muchas gracias, afición. Este para vosotros. Donda. 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 Donda.
Donda. Donda. Donda. Donda? Donda? Donda. Donda! Donda! Like the album? Did, Don- did Donda come out? No. No? Okay. I'll just wait another three months. Can you believe that? Can you believe we don't have a jacuzzi? Daniel, let's talk Donda. Listen, it's been nearly a week since Kanye West released his 10th studio album. Obviously, this is an album that had a lot of hype around it in the months and years leading up to it. You know, there were songs on this project, including Hurricane, obviously, that Kanye West has been working on since we were freshmen in college. This was a long time coming. This is Kanye's second album now in the secular realm ever since he decided to go down that path. Obviously, a ton of controversy surrounding everything leading up to it. Um, there was obviously, you know, the feature of Marilyn Manson and Baby on Jail Part 2 that made its way onto the album. You know, there were definitely a lot of characters, including Chris Brown as well, who have passed, you know, including sexual assault, homophobic language. So there was definitely a lot of baggage that was carried on this album, right? And that's, you know, that's something that we kind of expect at this point from Kanye West, because it seems like Kanye just seems to push buttons to push buttons at this point. But sitting back here, you know, having listened to this album pretty much for the better part of a week, that's all I've been listening to. I think that it it was a very coherent project and I'm happy with the overall scope and the direction in which he decided to go to. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with that. You know, um, you touched on a lot of things, uh, I, I remember listening to Hurricane for the first time, and it was our freshman year uh, in the beginning, in the fall. Now Hurricane is a f- finished product, and it's here in our senior year, nearly, you know, exactly three years, you know, to the semester, I guess you could say. And and Kanye is always a polarizing guy. There's always going to be something that people are going to poke at him about, that people are going to get angry about. He's just a controversial person. And uh, again, there's no surprise, you know, about the way that he took things. And I think this is probably one of the most fluent albums that he's put out. You you can tell, you know, a journey from this album. It starts off with a lot of, you know, harder songs like Jail, Off the Grid, um, you know, Praise God is, is there too. And, you know, you go into all of these other kind of songs at the end of the album, like New Again, like No Child Left Behind, Come to Life. And you kind of see like, his kind of his life almost right. It's kind of this change, and it's all incredible. Like we've said, this is his uh, you know second really you know faith based album. First off, Jesus is, is King. You know, doesn't speak to me a whole lot. I'm, yeah, I'm Jewish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but this one, I, I can appreciate a lot more just because the production is. I mean, it, it's incredible. It's it's it is incredible. Otherworldly. It's otherworldly, and. I like that you mentioned Jesus is King because that was a 27-minute project. Yeah. And it seemed like that album was rushed together. And this one might have a little bit of that too, but I think that the overall scope of the music made up for that. Mm-hmm. I think that, as you said, you know, Come to Life, for example, might end up being one of my favorite Kanye West songs ever. It kind of gave me that ghost town runaway vibe that it was just epic. It was a bigger-than-life song. And it led up to what I consider to be the end of the album with No Child Left Behind. It seemed like that was the climax of the album and No Child Left Behind. You know, you were just processing it. This is what I just listened to. And then, you know, I mentioned Jail Part 2. There were four, uh, two-part songs on this album. I don't know how to feel about that. 
obviously aside from you know the people that were included in the album that we don't condone any of the behavior that they've done in the past right i don't know if kanye will release a different version of this album in the months to come you know i was talking to a friend you know he he was mentioning obviously the life of pablo where kanye said you know this is a living breathing expression of art this isn't you know the album of year this is the album of life because this man was literally he added one of the best songs on that record arguably in saint pablo months after the project was released yeah like i'm sure there's people who listen to the life of pablo and still haven't listened to saint pablo and they haven't heard the bars on that song since it was released but i wouldn't be surprised if that is the case on this album as it stands right now i, I think you know kanye had a point to prove as you mentioned, Jesus is King, it didn't had it didn't have the wide appeal that I would argue that every single solo project that he put out before then had. I th- I think that if you go through all of Kanye's discography excluding Jesus is King, there's something for everyone. And while, you know, some albums might be more focused than others, I think that there there's always, you know, new and fresh music coming from Kanye. And I was talking to you about this the other day. The reason why Kanye West is my favorite artist is because he's always moving forward. Every single one of his projects, you know, aside from maybe, you know, the college dropout going into late registration, I think it's a completely different thing. It's like, what is he doing with this? But I f*** with it. Yeah. And we got that on Donda, and I was so happy about that. Not only due to all of the controversy that's been in his life, you know, we didn't even mention his, you know, divorce with Kim Kardashian. Are they back together? I don't know. This man set himself on fire and then they, did they get married? I don't know, man. Being a Kanye West fan is definitely stressful at times. Um, but you know, going back to the mental health challenges that he faced a few years ago, I didn't know if we were going to ever get a full project from him again. You know, this is Kanye West is not like, I, I say this like I'm not I don't want to say this in a bad way, but he's not somebody that like you see living it out till age like 90 because yeah. of the way that he lives his life. This man barely sleeps when he puts out albums. It's like this is everything to him and it's why he's become so successful. And for better or for worse, that's why he has become who he is. And Donna Donda I think is an expression of 2021 Kanye West, who's someone who essentially doesn't give a f- who, what anybody thinks about him. And is going to continue doing what he does. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, the, he Kanye West. When you said, you know, you don't see him living as like a person till till ninety or something. That much stress that goes on in your life. You know, we science has just found that you don't live as long as a non-stressed person, right? But I, I think you know Kanye West is one of my favorite artists. Uh, I don't know if he is my favorite artist, but I just to be honest, Thomas is saying yes, he is. Um, he's up there, definitely. I don't know who my favorite artist. Okay, he's like, oh, okay, Kanye's your favorite artist. Okay, but that's what I like about Kanye. Like you said, everything is different. Every everything is a different, you know, piece. It's not all the same, and I think that's something that differentiates, sets him apart from everybody else, right? And there's there's a lot of controversy going on right now, right? Like, oh, if you're a Drake fan, oh, you can't listen to Kanye West, or you know, Certified Lover Boy is coming out soon. As we're recording this, it's dropping in an hour, and I, I think Drake drops a lot of hits. He's really good on like getting on billboards the whole bit. Great. He, he really gets you in hook, he, with hooks the whole bit. Great artist. Kanye West is a different type of artist. You know, you want to talk about, even on bad tracks, um, you know, and even on great tracks, like with Smiley, you know, uh, after Smiley just drops an absolute verse of a century. 
I mean, this man is Grammy bound. Drake comes in and he even like, oh, he almost gets to as good as Smiley was, right? Like Prada and Gucci, you don't go together. You know, Louis and Dior, I swear to go wetter. How do you top that? Drake almost did it. Kanye West, he'll give you a journey. And so then you can talk also about maybe on Donda, what's a song that's almost like the one with Smiley, right? Off the Grid with Playboy Cardi. You know, two incredible artists, very mainstream now, right? Like uh, Playboy Cardi is very modern rap, right? And just like Smiley is also very modern rap. And I love Smiley. I mean, top three artists of uh, this generation. I'm saying it right now. Get ready, people. But yeah, you know, it's it's just uh, Kanye is a, is a very uh, creative person. Will this be his last album? I have no idea. I think he has a lot of things to figure out in life. I wouldn't. I'm. Anything can happen with Kanye West. Anything can happen. Whether he wants to take this album back and do something with it, I'm. I'm literally just saying. You know what? what I'm here for the ride. I'm here for the ride, Kanye. No one else can drop an album and then post on Instagram three hours later. Universal Records put yeah. this out with my without my permission. You'd be like, oh okay. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. Literally, I don't. I don't flinch anymore when it comes to Kanye. Like because he just. I, I think it's just who he is, because I don't think he could just be faking this. But every time he has an album coming out, he just does these ridiculous stunts and just says, says crazy things that just hypes up the album. I mean, Donda, this man is 44 years old. I would say a lot of people thought that this man was washed. Yeah. And here he is. He comes out with the album that ends up being the second most streamed album all time on day one on Spotify. And like I said, to begin this segment, it was dropped at 8 a.m., on a Sunday with no prior notice. Only Kanye West can do that. So at the end of the day, I'm, I was very pleased with Donda. Of course, I'm a huge Kanye West fan. So, you know, there were very Kanye moments on the album that a lot of people didn't like. Like, for example, my sister, she wasn't the biggest fan of the project, but she liked Believe What I Say because that song is just a bop. Yeah. But I definitely think it's worth a listen to the majority of people who are, you know, invested in hip hop. I'm not going to rate it out of 10 because I don't think right. that really matters. Music is subjective. Yeah. I love the album. I'm going to, I told you, I'm going to continue listening to it for the months to come. So yeah, I'm happy with the project. I'm happy with where Kanye went and I just hope that he goes on tour. Oh, me too. Okay. But before we wrap up this segment, if you could pick your three favorite songs on the album. So honestly, I love the way the album starts with Jail. I'm so happy that Jay-Z reunited with Kanye. I don't think that anybody else can get away with trashing Kanye for supporting Trump on an album than Jay-Z, because that's his big brother. Like, Jay-Z's going to say that, and Kanye, like, he has to keep it in. That's his big brother. Jay-Z literally made his career. I love that song. Hurricane, I mean, that song just has a special place in my heart. It started with 80 Degrees, the track that was supposed to go on Yandi, which was never released in 2018. As I said, I'm so surprised that this song made it on a Kanye West record, because once he discards something, he discards it. I think the weekend's vocals were beautiful on it. I'm so happy that they added the choir when it came to Kanye's verse. And his bars on that song are great. And then Come to Life. Come to Life is show-stopping, spectacular, fantastic. That's all I'm going to say. Just listen to it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with a, with a lot of those. Those are all really great songs. Um, I My favorite, obvious, I, in my, my opinion, Hurricane. I mean, I listened to the, to the leak version, like the 30-second bit freshman year when you showed it to me and I was like this is incredible this needs to come out and you know for three years I was just only listening to that 30 second snippet because I was like this is never going to release so that's my number one number two is is praise God I think 
Baby Keem is where did he come from? Where where did it? And all of a sudden he has a he's a song with Kendrick Lamar too. Travis Scott is in is in Praise God as well. Let's not forget that. And then my third, I would have to say, you know, I I do agree that that Come to Life is really great. Uh, but for me, if I'm listening to a song over and over again, it's probably probably gonna be new again. Um, I will say though, in terms of that song, I I do wish he kept the you know the version that he played during the listening party, but still. I, I could put that song on repeat. You can still put that song on at a party for sure, and it's going to do well. I'm proud of Kanye for Donda. I mean, at this point, you know, we, you don't know what to expect from this man, so I'm happy with it. Yeah, get some sleep, Mr. West. Mm-hmm.